0: Welcome to the 34th episode of Virtually Unbreakable, where we inspire you to live happier and more fulfilling lives. My name is Ella and I'm your host. Today's topic is data protection and young people. My guest today is James England. James is a director of Data Protection Education Limited, providing data protection officer services, training and tools to schools, and vendors in the educational system on their data protection compliance. I'm pleased to have you here with me, so sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Hi James, how are you doing today?
1: I'm very well, thank you Ella and thank you for inviting me onto your podcast.
0: It's my pleasure. And can you tell us who you are and what do you do exactly with regards to data protection?
1: Sure. So I'm uh, my name, as you said, is James England, and I run a company called Data Protection Education, and we uh, provide data protection officer services to schools, you say, the education sector, and we also work with some small charities and some small businesses as well. And what we do is we help them um, understand the complexities of data protection legislation and information governments how do they look after their data how do they protect their data and we okay. give them tools to do that policies procedures and all that kind of thing
0: okay so but just to remind our listeners this is all within education sector so and this is why we're talking about this today is because there is a um, a high level of significance with regards to data protection and young people so can you tell me a little bit more, um, how did you end up working in this industry? Have you worked in education sector before? How did you I come just, across yeah.
1: this? So uh, you may be able to tell by some of the instruments hanging on the wall behind me. I, I actually went to the university originally as a musician. And okay. uh, whilst I was at university, I started working as a, as a music teacher uh, for a right. local authority. And much as Fantastic. I had a, a, a little career as a musician for a while, when that ended, I always knew I wanted to do something else, and I mm. then moved into more of an IT kind of uh, environment. But it was actually I really enjoyed working with the education. So I was actually working with um, e-learning and education te- educational technology providers. Right. Um, so some companies have provided virtual learning environments for schools, e-learning, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, probably the most famous one I ended up working at was Cambridge University Press for a while, which is obviously a massive educational publisher known around mm-hmm. the world. Um, and then I started working on my own, and still doing some um, more education technology related projects and in e-learning. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a, um, a colleague of mine who, again, provides broadband and uh, and web infrastructure a company that does that for schools. Yeah, and it was a, it was. 2016, the GDPR had just been published before it was enforced, and that's a general data protection regulation. And we said that there was a, an opportunity here. The schools are really going to not really know what to do about this. So it started off yes. with, why don't we do a little e-learning course on the GDPR <laughs> so people can be prepared? That's and that true, led yes. to a lot of awareness sessions. It led to some more extensive training. And then when it came in as a law in 2018, Yep. Um, by then, we'd set up the business and we decided to offer that service and additional support consultancy training services uh, to schools. And now we have uh, around 375, 380 different schools and multi-academy trusts that work with us.
0: Fantastic. Well, what a great story to start as a music teacher and then merge into this more, um, you could say, innovative uh, role or more perhaps less not innovative, but perhaps more um, significant in a different way, yeah, uh, yeah. right?
1: And, um, and if, you'd have, if you'd have said to me years ago that, you know, I'm going to end up with a master's degree in law and, and working in compliance, I'd have probably laughed at you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, hey, there's, there's always opportunities, and opportunities to learn and develop as well. Mm-hmm. And I always encourage anybody to take those whenever they come along. And, you you know, there's, yeah. there's opportunities to, to do a lot of good from that as well
0: yeah so based on your experience james what is the issue today with data protection in the education system
1: yes yeah, so i know we sort of mentioned a, a little bit of think about sort of you know the cyber risks that everybody's aware of whatever's was told about cyber security and data protection one of, one of the the big issues is i mean to start off with is that schools and particularly you know when we think about young people um you know, primary school age and infant schools, those organisations those schools actually have an awful lot of data about young people. Mm. They know about what they're doing there. They know about their family relationships. They might know about child protection concerns. They actually develop a lot of that information. They know about their medical Mm. needs, uh, mental health needs.
0: That's right. And
1: there's an awful lot of data within these organisations. But these young people don't have the capacity, aren't really able to understand what their rights are in relation to data so yeah. you know there's parental responsibility but it's a it's really very much about the organizations themselves need to understand what their responsibilities are to look after that data and mm. um, we, when we talk about that the, the difficulties are with schools with lots of different things is resources having specialists who are experts in compliance areas when schools are there and their focus, quite rightly, is wanting to be on teaching and learning, and we know yeah. we want to make sure that's and you know the imperative part of a school. But you know, a lot of schools just don't have that capacity of resource to to manage their data protection program and understand the complexities of one particular law.
0: That's Separating right.
1: date cyber from data protection, cyber is really about the integrity and security of infrastructure and data on them. So that's not just about personal data which is what we're talking about with data protection
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when we think about that we actually have a lot of information on the cloud and schools themselves have moved more to the cloud and there's actually quite often a great support around IT and infrastructure in schools there's actually very good levels of competencies around IT okay. tech yeah okay. There's um, the technicians, at organisations that they might outsource IT to, and particularly multi-academy yeah. trusts have quite large teams around technology. They don't have these large teams around the data protection and other compliance. It generally mm. the role of the head teacher of a school, business manager, or an operations manager at a trust, and mm. that's why they get us involved or companies like us because they don't have that expertise yeah. internally. You know, sure. so. Data protection could be related to cyber. If you have a cyber attack and somebody gets into your systems, they may steal personal data. We often hear about those on the news, the very big ones, about people stealing things. Um, But, you know, there's more to that sort of risk around data protection than just cyber. Yeah. So it's it's a massive compliance issue, and it's, it's something which goes across everything schools do because of that volume of data that they work with and process.
0: And yet it is something that we parents are practically completely unaware of, or it would be the last thing on our mind, right? When our child goes to school um, or is on holiday, whatever time of the year, there are so much other things to worry about with regards to kids and raising them, that that is not something that we ever think about. And and I'm not suggesting it should be our job, parents, to think about that. But it's still very good to be informed and aware of what are schools' responsibilities with regards to managing this very sensitive data um, regarding our children. Yeah. So um, thank you so much but for this. Ac- that, yep. Yeah, and
1: just on that, sorry for interrupting there. I mean, one of the ways that schools and any business is required to do that is that on their website usually they'll have their privacy notice and just like we're very used to our websites having to click on those cookies and sort of see privacy notices and and yeah. privacy policies it's very much a policy saying this is what we are going to do and the standards we adhere to and then the, the privacy notices this element within data protection law of transparency telling you what we do with your data so that will should give you an indication of this is what we do with your data, why we collect it, what we do with it, who do we share it with. It's But in a school, and as you go into the larger institutions, it actually can be exponential, the amount of systems and data which are really um, knocking around and being used. There's an awful lot. There's an awful lot. And it's not also, remember, data is about personal data. It's not always on some system up on the cloud this mysterious cloud up on the internet, Yeah, it's, there's a lot of paper still in use. Yeah. So we still have a lot of paper-based documents. It's about looking after that. It's not that we want people to stop using it. It's mm-hmm. just about making sure that we look after it properly mm-hmm. when they actually are processing that within the schools.
0: Sure. So I on that, what are the most common mistakes you do see when it comes to in school setting when it comes to data protection and cybersecurity.
1: I think it it is interesting where, um, you know, as far as mistakes are concerned, I think it's actually most of them are probably human error related in Mm -hmm. many ways. I think some of the mistakes are, if we talk about mistakes, somebody doing something wrong and making a mistake or things just not necessarily being done to begin with, I think the, Um, The ability of schools to manage everything that needs to be done under data protection laws So thinking about what we call data protection by design. Are we going to do this? um, Think about how this has got the impacts of using this data in this way before we do it. Sometimes it just doesn't happen like that. Um, You know, it's again, it comes back to resources. So, um, you know, but we do have some, you know, data about sort of things which happen um you know so there's a couple of data sets which are, are publicly available so one of them which i'll go back to is the Cybersecurity breaches survey which is done mm-hmm. by the department of culture media and sport and mm-hmm. they have an education annex so one of the things there just to give you an idea of all the businesses that responded and this is just regular businesses 39 percent of them said that we'd had some kind of cyber issue primary mm-hmm. school was 41. Secondary schools seventy percent.
0: Oh my goodness! You e college
1: eighty eight. Higher education colleges ninety two. Ah. Education is very much targeted as a, as a sector oh, because my gosh. it's seen as an ethics. But, but why are primary schools so lower than secondary schools mm. and more businesses? Because they've got a lot of different systems in play, and secondary schools have even more systems in play. There's more surface area for targeted. Mm. Accounts. Mm. I think also as we go through those organizations, they've got larger teams as well. So there's probably more recognition mm-hmm. of what's mm-hmm. actually happening.
0: And more risk for something to go wrong, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it also breaks it down into the type of, a, of breach. So the most common one reported by a country mile across everything mm-hmm. is phishing. So this is where we get those dodgy emails and, yes. a, you know, please click on this link and, you know, to receive whatever. you know. Yeah. So we've seen them all, we get them personally. Yeah. But organisations are also targeted as well. So mm-hmm. it's something which is a really uh, big issue. I think from the non-cyber attack stuff, you know, we all we also know from some of the information commissioner's office, and that's a regulator for data protection law, freedom of information law in the UK, you know, they they've done some reports and audits around the education sector. And look at things which where they can improve and a lot of those are related to operational management issues documentation and general management of risk
0: Um,
1: and i i think that you know when we look at the stats from the ico about what gets reported to them it is those human mistakes the biggest one that they have is that um data has been emailed to the wrong person and i challenge anybody on this call to say that they've never received an email That should have been received by somebody else, and then think the other way. Have you ever sent an email to somebody who you sent Mm. it to? Person, it's easy to do.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, failure to use a BCC in your email so people get copied in, and you get to see everybody's email address. So, yeah, such a common
0: mistake, isn't it?
1: Is and data getting posted to the wrong person. This gets reported a lot. So people are sending letters out home. Just getting sent out to the wrong person. So it's human error and it's usually because people haven't got the time to really do the checking. You yes. know, it's a time. Does pressure. that
0: mean that our systems in schools, I'm sure this, this could be a question to a different person, like education secretary, but yeah. for example, but does it mean that our systems at school are outdated and rely too much on humans and not enough on automation or AI where mistakes like this could be prevented?
1: Well, systems which are in place are generally pretty good. There's a lot of really very good school systems out there. I think there's a a woman who I quite like talking about sometimes. I won't go too much into it now. was a rear admiral in the um, U.S. uh, Department of Defense, and her name was Grace Hopper, and she was one of the early pioneers of of computer science. And she came out with a phrase, particularly around information governance, which is the most dangerous phrase in the English language, language, is that we've always done it like that. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of things that are just about, well, that's how we've always done it. But when we introduce new systems, there's a lack of training, familiarity with these systems, which can be quite complex. Um, you know, so are people mm. knowing how to configure and use them safely?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: AI has certain has its advantages in certain things, but again, there's risks with artificial intelligence. Yeah, so, um, you know, cases where... Um, a school in Finland was actually fined by the, the Finnish regulator for using AI for um, automatic facial recognition technology to check that students are actually in attendance in class, and that was deemed actually illegal under the regulation. So I think the systems are there. Um, there's some very, very good technology in place, but there's sometimes it's not always used that that well or as well as it could right. be. You know. So what
0: what skills are lacking in that case in in the way we look after young people's sensitive data.
1: Yeah, I and think. Can
0: we parents do more? Is 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 it just totally up to the school staff to be better trained and more accurate, have more accurate procedures, or is there anything parents can do to help? Oh, we
1: we'll, we'll look at a couple of examples here. So one thing mm-hmm. we look at. Sensitive data in school. The most sensitive data that a school holds is undoubtedly its child protection data, where there are safeguarding concerns around a child. And schools are really, really good around handling their safeguarding data. I'll be honest with you, I've only ever come across a couple of occasions in the last five years which I've had major concerns about how to handle mm-hmm. safeguarding data. Um But what happens is everybody in schools know and has been trained to understand that this is highly sensitive. It's Mm -hmm. highly confidential. It's only available to certain numbers of people. The designated safeguarding leads in the school that everybody needs to report issues. It's very much on the front of everybody's mind. Safety of children is the first thing that everybody in a school is thinking about. And absolutely rightly so. Mm -hmm. Now, those issues, of course, you know, it's not always about you know horrible things like physical abuse it can be mental health issues bullying yeah. mental health issue so these will get logged on but everybody's aware of it from a data protection point of view they're thinking this information is the most important information we hold we've got to keep it securely we have a dedicated system to use to put that information on them There's some very good dedicated systems for this purpose yeah. when we have it on a paper-based system which is a traditional way of doing mm-hmm. it it's locked away in a filing cabinet. Only certain people have access to it. That co- that filing cabinet is generally in a locked room. It's very much the access control. People are thinking, how important is that data? Therefore, how do we look after it? Who gets access to it? We need to extend that thinking to everything else. And on some online systems, we might very well do that. So imagine a network folder or an online folder, which you don't have access to because you haven't got the right permissions, privacy policy that they've got. You know, you are entitled to 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 know how this stuff is going on. I think the more practical thing for, for, um, for parents is think about the online safety aspects of things. This is where, you know, we've got what's, you know, online safety is often telling children, teaching children about sort of the online harms which are out there in the world. Um, and I think it's a really important part of school life to get children to understand about what's going on in the world. We've got new technologies developing, different AI technologies, the metaverse, what awaits young people out there online. Schools can do quite a lot about online safety. But I think parents need to, you know, when you're giving a child a mobile phone that's got Internet connections on it, You need to be very sure about what they're accessing on that phone. Put controls on yourself. Think about what do I want them to see. Take an active part in helping them understand the risks which are out there. Don't just give them the device and leave them to it and think, well, I've put some software on to stop them seeing all the bad stuff. Take an active engagement in what they're doing, what they're looking at, what they should be looking at. Show some Um, interest, right? Show some interest Mm -hmm. and particularly about how they're using that device. Who are they texting? you know Mm. is it a child who's a few years older is that sort of those communications appropriate on the device so Mm. take an interest in actually what they're doing and using that phone for it's not always just playing a little game harmless game so it's it's something that that's what i i would recommend is you know schools do quite a lot take an interest in what the school is doing in this area but also you know Mm. take an active interest in actually what's actually happening with your child when they are using that device at home um, yeah. as well as in school
0: and what access do what devices um do they have access to to start with right yeah. because in so many households there are so many different devices mobile phones tablets tv laptop and depending on child's age and especially now um when we live in times post-covid times where loads of um lessons have moved online um, and, um, and homeschooling has happened and, and it's now a common thing as well as doing homework. Children are completing their homework and submitting their homework via different apps and websites, which I'm sure have the right security and protection built in if they work with a school. But what else does our child have access to, like you said, and uh, being extra aware and not be shy to ask those questions to school staff during parenting evenings. And perhaps some of us have email addresses to our uh, children, teachers. And there is nothing wrong in asking a question. How is my child's data being handled? Where is my child's photo going to be posted? And having a look and reminding yourself whether you definitely gave consent to that, because this is your child and it's your child's mental health that might potentially be affected. And yes, and we are parents and we are responsible for their safety. Thank you so much. This is this is super helpful. Any final bit of advice for our listeners, James? Um, Is there anything other than what we've mentioned before that we can do to help protect this sensitive data in education system
1: yeah i'll 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 just give you a couple because i know i've been rambling on a little bit so (laughs) the first one is actually a little adage which i say all the time treat other people's data as if it was your um you know think about it would you leave your own uh, passport or birth certificate just lying on a desk where anybody can access it probably not so don't do that with anybody else's think about what data it is and think, if that was my data, would I just leave it lying around? And the chances are you wouldn't. So treat other people's data as if it was your own. And finally, always lock up. So whether it's your computer when you're leaving it, and you yeah. might think nobody else is going to have, to have a look at something, leave your computer, lock it. If you're working in an office and you, you need to have some files open, or a cupboard open with some files in it, have yeah. a lock record, or lock your door when you leave don't yeah. leave things unattended or, or lock
0: your computer right you...
1: always lock your computer you know yeah if you're on a windows machine hit windows key and l as you're getting up it's very easy to do but always lock your machine don't rely on it timing out after 15 minutes somebody can mm-hmm. do an awful lot of damage in 15 minutes so yeah always lock everything um be it your device mm-hmm. or think about the security of your device's and also the actual physical area where you've got other data. So don't leave it accessible uh, and at risk of somebody else accessing it.
0: And and if you have any doubts, uh, ask questions, raise concerns, and start conversation with, with school staff. Uh, and there is no shame um, in doing so. James, this has been a fabulous conversation and a very important one to have. Thank you so much for your time today. To any of you who are interested in James' work, I will include the link to his profile and his website underneath in the show notes section. Thank you, James. It was a pleasure talking to you today.
1: Yeah, thanks. And thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did enjoy it, please, could you leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts? I would love to hear from you and see what you think. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. The link to my profile is below in the show notes. If you would like the notes from today's episode, you can find them on our website, which is unbreakable.bussprout.com. See you in the next episode of Virtually Unbreakable Podcast, where we will discuss How to overcome rejection and self-doubt.